At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. Game day edition, an early one, too. Hornets with a Sunday matinee against the Boston Celtics. We'll preview the game. We're going to talk magic number. How many wins do the Hornets really need to clinch a playoff spot, and how many could they need to come up with to make things interesting to get back into the top six. It's not out of the question yet, so we'll break down both of those scenarios for you at this stage of the game with 13 games remaining on the schedule. Plus, the rookie ladder came out. You might have thought I missed it. We had a lot of stuff to do with the Innovation Summit and things much more important than me losing my mind over why LaMelo Ball is not number one or two on the rookie ladder. But I didn't forget, we'll talk about that as well. To help me on all these topics, it's my producer from the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo, back with us here on the HHC. And Rob, let's go right to the magic number discussion. Why don't you give us a brief report, the teams the Hornets are most concerned about when it comes to ensuring they make the play-in right now are Chicago and Toronto. Both were in action yesterday. Give us a brief report on how they did. So I never thought I would be doing scoreboard updates during the podcast. I thought that was just kind of reserved for game days. But here we are at this time of the season. The Raptors took on a Knicks yesterday at Madison Square Garden. New York won 120-103, to 103, just too much firepower for the Knicks to have now won nine straight. Julius Randle doing it again, 31 points. 10 rebounds. Fred Van Fleet had a double-double with 27 points and 11 assists, so he did everything in his power possible, but not enough for the Raptors, who are 10-20 and 20 away from Tampa this season. The Heat pulled one out against the Bulls, 106-101. Keep in mind that the Hornets are kind of chasing the Heat a little bit, but because the Bulls lost, that decreases that magic number a little bit more for the Hornets, which I suppose at this point is some good news. Bam Adebayo with a double-double, 20 points, 10 assists. Nikola Vucevic with a double-double of his own, 26 points, 
14 boards. So everything kind of going right in that sense for the Hornets, depending on how you look at it, because the Raptors and the Bulls trying to chase Charlotte while Charlotte's trying to chase those teams like the Knicks and the Heat. Yeah, Rob, you're right to keep an eye on Miami because certainly there is a benefit to being seventh in the play-in tournament. Namely, you get to host both games if you have to play in both games. I think the difference between 8th and ninth is even more stark because even though you go on the road for that first play-in game, you only have to win one out of two. Ninth and 10th place, you got to go two for two to make it into that final eight-team bracket. But for the moment right now, you know, Miami made the NBA Finals last year. Play-in tournament might not be that important to them. Pacers, they've been in the playoffs a lot. Toronto's been in the playoffs a lot. The Hornets have not been in the playoffs a lot. So just making the play-in tournament, you know, it's something worth celebrating right now. And with both Chicago and Toronto losing, as you referenced, the magic number for the Hornets is now down to nine. We are in single-digit territory now for the Hornets to make it into the play-in tournament at minimum. Let's talk about how many wins that really is. Because the theory behind the magic number is that the team that is chasing you, if you max out their wins... How many wins do the Hornets have to have to stay ahead of them? Given that Chicago and Toronto are both 25 and 35, 10 games under 500, I think it's a stretch to say they're going to each win out in their final 12. So let's give them both 500 records, which I think is, you know, fair. If they were to go 500, the Hornets basically need three wins. I don't like to count on a team to go 500 if they're in chase mode, especially teams that really are as talented as Chicago and Toronto are and could certainly get hotter. So I'm going to say five wins is my guess on how many it would take for Charlotte to certainly make it into the play-in tournament. So the way that I looked at it with 13 games left and projecting out on a more conservative line depending on what happens, I would say that at the bare minimum to be comfortable the Hornets need to go seven and six down the stretch. That would put them right at 36 and 36 for the season. That probably gets you eighth place. Ideally, you want to be in that seven or eight spot just because then that way, worst case scenario, you have to lose twice in order to be eliminated from the playoffs and go into draft lottery and not even make the traditional playoff round. So I'm looking at it at seven and six. The way that the schedule breaks down, I look at it as there's four quote unquote locks on the schedule you got two games against the pistons one against the orlando magic and one against new orleans and three out of those four at home in my mind based on what the hornets have done this year those are games that you absolutely positively should win so now based on that the way i look at it the chicago game coming up in a couple weeks looks a little bit more winnable if Lamelo ball or anyone else that is currently injured if the cavalry is able to arrive in time for those final couple of games, the final few weeks of the season, then that Chicago game looks a little bit more winnable. And maybe even that Miami game gets a little bit more winnable because the Hornets have definitely had Miami's number this season in terms of just head-to-head matchups. And that would be the showdown next Sunday, so might not be ideal with the way that the injury report is looking. So then at that point, you got to find one more win. You would be up to six wins, and that would be, you know, you got two games against the Celtics, you got one against Milwaukee, one against Denver, one against the Clippers, the Knicks, or the Wizards. And normally I'd put the Wizards game at the end of the season as a lock, but the way that the Wizards are playing extremely well right now, that is almost a question mark in a sense in itself too. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity for the Hornets down the stretch, but I would say to be comfortable, to be safe, 7-6 and six, to make it an even 500 record on the season to get to that 7th or 8th playoff spot. Fair enough. Again, I'll stick with it. I think 
five wins should be plenty to make sure that they are at least in the top 10. Looking ahead of the Hornets in terms of the possibility to make the top six, it still is possible, but these next three games are crucial, really the two against the Celtics. I don't think there's any math that helps the Hornets get there unless A, Atlanta goes into free fall because of the Trey Young injury, which could happen but is unlikely, or B, Boston hits the skids again and the Hornets just put so much pressure on them. But really to do it, I think Hornets would have to probably finish somewhere around 39 wins, which means going 10-3 and from this stage on, and two of those wins would have to be against Boston. So not slamming the door on the idea, but I am saying if the Hornets want to avoid the play-in tournament today's game against the Celtics and the one a couple days from now as well will be crucial for Buzz City all right coming up next if you've been keeping an eye on the rookie ladder as closely as I do uh, you know I've been wanting to rant about this for a long time the latest rookie ladder is out where is LaMelo Ball he's not first or second We'll talk about it next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The Bridges who throws it down with a right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1,000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets dunk hunger, Visit Hornets.com slash Dunk Hunger. LaMelo Ball and the Rookie Ladder. NBA has been putting this out all season long. I've often had qualms with it, but I think this week I am most upset by it. Now, granted, we have other happier things to talk about, like the Innovation Summit, which we were thrilled to dedicate a lot of time to this week here on the Hornets Hivecast. But now that we've got an extra segment, Rob, finally we can let loose on this latest rookie ladder the news had come out that Lamelo ball would return at some point this season barring some really unforeseen setback so he's going to play again the whole reasoning to Lamelo being removed from the top five of the ladder and put in sixth was that he would not in theory play enough games to reach this mythical unwritten rule threshold of 60 percent of your team's games to be considered I didn't agree with it but fine. I didn't think sixth was the appropriate place to put him, but it's not my rookie ladder. But now that myth has been dispelled. That unwritten rule has been adhered to, and LaMelo will, in all likelihood, in fact, can almost say it's a near certainty at this point, play in the requisite number of games. And where is he on the rookie ladder, Rob? Where is he? Fifth. One, two, three, four, fifth. It's honestly astounding. I just do not get it. And and the way he's put into fifth, it's almost like the people making the rookie ladder are doing us a favor, like, hey, well, we bumped him back up to five. But here are the names that are ahead of him. And mind you, all of these guys are solid NBA players having really good rookie seasons. I do not mean this to dismiss any of their talents or who they could end up being. All I'm saying is it is ludicrous for all but two of them to even be mentioned ahead of LaMelo Ball for rookie of the year. So fourth on the list is Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think he's going to be, you know, finishing ahead of LaMelo, but I can at least understand the argument. Three is Sadiq Bey. What the heck is that? I mean, he's on a really bad Pistons team putting up moderate numbers that are still not as good as LaMelo's. So I just simply don't get it. Two is Jay Sean Tate of the Houston Rockets. 
exact same argument. He's on a terrible team. He gets to play a lot more. He's putting up decent numbers that are still not as good as LaMelo's. And then number one, you have Anthony Edwards, who I think is still the only acceptable answer here as to who could or should win Rookie of the Year over LaMelo Ball. His points per game is at 18.1 and rising. LaMelo has been stagnant, of course, due to the injury at 15.9. He's averaging four more points per game and more rebounds and far more assists than Sadiq Bey, and he's averaging almost the exact same thing more than Jay Sean Tate. So what am I missing here? Why on earth is five now okay for LaMelo Ball now that we know he is almost certainly going to play enough games to merit consideration? And the guys I just mentioned, with the exceptions of maybe Tyrese Halliburton and certainly Anthony Edwards, there's no one even close. I'm pretty sure that putting LaMelo in a five spot is there just to aggravate you more, Sam. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. I did, however, see an article posted on Friday from the Sporting News that did its own rookie ladder this time. And they have LaMelo Ball in the number two spot trailing Anthony Edwards, which I believe is more accurate at this point in time. All the arguments were already heard that we've mentioned there in that article. But it got me to thinking that, I'm prefacing this as saying I absolutely cannot stand to speculate. But for the sake of this argument, I'm going to speculate. If LaMelo Ball is able to return by, let's say, May 1st, that would be a little bit after the reports that we've heard saying that he can return 7 to 10 days. That would put him at about two weeks. So if he's able to return for that May 1st game against Detroit, he would be available for the final 10 games of the season. And in those 10 games, if the Hornets are able to go on a tear or elevate their play in any way, shape, or form and finish strong, solidify a playoff spot, if it ends up being a play-in round and they win the play-in round and go to the normal playoffs, then there's very little argument in my mind against LaMelo Ball earning, not winning, but earning Rookie of the Year accolades. The tough part on the last part of that is that postseason is never supposed to factor into these things. So play-in tournament is not going to be a part of, or is not supposed to be a part. I think the vote has to be turned in earlier, if I'm not mistaken. But in any case, that that shouldn't factor in. But if he were to come back May 1st, and we we're just throwing a random date out there for the for the simplicity of the number, if he were able to come back on that date and the Hornets go on a tear and say avoid the play-in tournament, finish sixth, I think it's a no-doubter, no-brainer because the team has basically been 500 they've treaded water without lamello ball as we discussed in the previous segment to make it into the top six they're going to need some help from someone above them either atlanta or boston but simultaneously they're going to have to get red red hot and lamello ball would almost certainly be a factor in that so if they finish in the top six i think lamello is a lock assuming he plays in the majority of the games in the month of may and i would say if he finishes within two to three points per game of Anthony Edwards and he's right on that line right now look I think LaMelo is the rookie of the year I think a lot of people who are going to consider impact on winning are going to give him that award but it tends to be a statistical award and statistically speaking points per game biggest easiest stat to comprehend Anthony Edwards is winning that one and it's not by a little bit LaMelo Ball has averaged 15.9 points per game. Anthony Edwards is up around 18. Over a 72-game season, that's not a small amount of points. LaMelo is going to have to close that gap a little bit, or the team's going to have to get red hot, or else I fear Anthony Edwards might get the award. Not that he's not deserving of it, but we all know LaMelo is, and it's just a shame because if the injury didn't happen, there is no question LaMelo walks away with Rookie of the Year. But for the moment, all I can hope for 
is that the next time the rookie ladder comes out, which uh, is probably, what, two days from now, three days from now, that LaMelo is not fifth because it's just ridiculous. And I agree with you. The only reason they're doing putting him there is to aggravate me and give me an ulcer. Huh. All right. Hornets and Celtics today, probably minutes away now that you're all listening to this podcast. So we'll get into that game next. Rob, thanks for letting me rant. More on Hornets-Celtics next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cody Zeller knows how to finish an assist. Now you can be a part of one of his biggest plays of the season. Socks are the most under-donated item for those in need, and the Cody Zeller Sock Drive presented by Haynes is ready to attack that problem. You can help make socks a priority by donating one pack of new socks or $5 to the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, and all donations will be matched by Haynes and will benefit Roof Above. Head to Hornets.com and search Cody Zeller Sock Drive for more information. A daylight delight today, Sunday matinee, Hornets versus the Boston Celtics, game two of three on the season series, and it's a significant one. The Hornets are coming off of a win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are a little bit healthier right now. Certainly no significant returns from last game. Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, Malik Monk, they are all still going to be sidelined, but fingers crossed they'll be able to rejoin the team sooner rather than later. But for now, Hornets are still without basically the same group they had to play without when they were in Boston and lost 116 to 86 at the beginning of April. I almost don't want to look back at that game at all, Rob, not because it was such a laugher in the end, but because I think the Hornets really took a shock to the system in that one. It was their first full game playing without Gordon Hayward. Malik Monk had already, you know, taken a spill. He was out of the lineup as well. And LaMelo Ball had been out of the lineup for a couple weeks, I think, at that point. But in any case, I think this being the first game the Hornets were trying to figure things out without Gordon Hayward is not really a fair assessment of where exactly, where to try and find fault in why they lost that game or trying to read too much into it. I would say yes and no, just simply for the fact that the Hornets did not shoot the ball very well in that game. They shot 40% from the field and 32% from beyond the arc. And at the same time, Charlotte hasn't necessarily lit up the scoreboard the last few games as it is. So take of that what you will. The one difference from this last game going into today's game is that the Celtics won't have Robert Williams. He had 16 points off seven to nine shooting the last meeting to go along with eight rebounds. And he even had 5,000 the game. So he was playing with foul trouble most of the afternoon in that one as well. The Hornets did try to go big to start the last meeting. Bismarck Biombo got slotted into the starting five at the five spot. So that injury to Williams could possibly level the playing surface a little bit there for the Hornets. But then Kemba Walker has just stepped up his game as of late. He only had 12 the first meeting against Charlotte, which was below his average of 18 for the season. So, so many different factors. This Celtics team is just playing so much better than it was earlier in the season. They're a scary team right now. This is a very scary matchup for the Hornets, especially when they are not at full strength health-wise. No question about that. One stat I would certainly focus in on for this one is turnovers. I think, you know, both teams have some some nicks and bruises. Boston was missing a couple of players, Kemba Walker being one of them from their last game, a loss to Brooklyn 109 to 104. There there's speculation that he could be back for this one here today. So I'm not going to try and read too much into the injury report from Boston and, and figuring out who's in and who's out. But in terms of the key stat, again, I think it's turnovers. When you just look at the team's records when they have fewer turnovers than their opponent, it's a bit misleading. Hornets 
one game under 500 on the season there, 14 and 12 when they have fewer turnovers than the opposition. So a little bit better. Boston, strangely enough, 32 and 28 overall in the season. They're 13 and 15. They're worse when they have fewer turnovers than the opposition. But the reason I bring that stat up is because it was so glaring in both the Hornets' previous game against Boston and the Celtics' most recent one. In the 30-point blowout for Charlotte, Boston turned the ball over 11 fewer times than the Hornets did. That is a huge disparity. So even if the Hornets did shoot the ball better, probably was not meant to be that night because they had such massive turnover issues. But in Boston's most recent game, a loss to Brooklyn, one that was reasonably close. They only lost by five. Brooklyn won the turnover margin by eight, a significant margin again. So, you know, I think turnovers could be a major factor in this one if it is lopsided talking six or more we both saw what the hornets did last game against cleveland didn't shoot the ball well didn't necessarily have their best offensive game but they did not turn over the basketball they had a season low five turnovers at the end of the day for that one if they can repeat that they've got a good shot against boston tonight regardless of who's out there on the floor Well, we saw what the Hornets were able to do Friday night. I know it sounds cliche, and I know it sounds pretty simple, but if you take care of the ball, things will take care of itself. And sometimes at this point in the season, you got to do the simple things in order to win. We shall see. Hornets could certainly use a win over Boston tonight. The magic number sitting at nine. I think that is the good news for Buzz City right now. Nine wins and or losses for depending on the matchup, Toronto and or Chicago will be enough to make sure the Hornets are in at least the play-in tournament. From then on, we can look at other magic numbers, but for now, that's the one we're focused on. Game is today at 1 p.m. for all of the pregame action. In addition to this podcast, of course, go ahead and tune in on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ, starting at noon. Kyle Bailey and Travis T-Bone Hancock will have the pregame fun for you. Rob, thank you as always for joining me here today on the HHC. Of course, had fun. Looking forward to a buzzing hive later today. And thanks to all of you as well for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us here on the Hornets Hivecast and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.